You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. I had not made the connection. I was speaking out of town at an event and... Pastor Daniel was leading worship at that same event. And in my sermon, I was preaching about a very specific thing I had been praying about for years. And after the service was over, I walked down and Daniel walked up to me and said, How long have you been praying that prayer? I said, A long time. And Daniel said, mentioning a few things that were happening, looks like God's answering it. And at that point, I had not made the connection between what I'd been praying for years and how God was at work until Daniel made that comment. And I thought, oh, of course this is happening. I've been praying about it, and God is responding To my prayers. I think that it's possible that we pray. And we don't always make the connections between our prayers and God's response. Or God's answer to prayer. So keeping that in mind, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. We're going to begin here. We'll go to another passage a little bit later. But Psalm 118. We'll begin reading in verse 5. Psalm 118, verse 5. And when you found your place, I want to ask you this morning to please stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Inspired, inerrant, infallible, the living Word. There in Psalm 118, verse 5, the psalmist says, Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord, what? What's it say? Answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my Helper, I love that. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Let's pray together. Father, it is good to be in the house of God. It is good to gather and lift up the name of Jesus, to encourage each other through singing. It is good to fellowship around your word and let your word speaking to our lives, applied to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's good to celebrate changed lives. We saw the baptisms today. It's good to hear about what you're doing in different ministries in the life of our church. It is good, Lord, for us to be together. And I pray, God, that you would use this time, Lord, by your grace and for your glory, to transform us. 
that we might leave today more in love with Jesus than when we walked in. And we'll thank you, Lord, for that grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, we are in the midst of a sermon series titled The Twelve Stones Initiative. And basing this initiative off of Joshua 4, we've been reminded that God desires His people to remember His power and grace for their good and for His glory. When God delivered Israel across the Jordan River, parting that river so they walked across on dry land, the Lord said, take 12 stones from the riverbed and keep them with you as a visual reminder of the faithfulness and the power of God. And so based upon that passage, we have begun this 12 stones initiative. And here's what the 12 stones initiative is. It's designed to commemorate the work of God performed through His people who take steps of obedient faith. And so as we seek to abide in Christ and advance the gospel, as we seek to make disciples, we've identified 12 markers, 12 milestones, if you will, that when we see God bring those to pass, we're going to stop and praise the Lord. We're going to give Him glory for helping us to reach that milestone. And we're going to take literal stones and begin to stack them on the stage. Every time we reach a milestone, we'll put a stone on the stage. And we've made it to stone number 11. We'll finish next week with stone number 12. Let me just walk you through the first 10 stones. Number one, enter into strategic partnerships in all eight IMB affinities. That means we'll have ministry all around the world for the sake of the gospel. Stone two, plant a church. Stone three, send out five short-term mission teams per year. Stone four, give 250000 uh, combined amount to Lottie Moon Christmas offering, Annie Armstrong Easter offering, and McGuire State Missions offering. We're going to give to make sure that that gospel ministry is happening in Florida and North America and around the world. Stone five, establish five gospel-centered community partnerships. Stone six, we want to see God allow us to baptize 100 people in a year as He saves folks. Stone seven, we want to see our Adult Bible studies that meet at 9 o'clock on this campus doubled from 12 to 24. Stone 8, we want to see a fourth generation D group formed as discipleship happens in these small D groups. We want to see the fourth generation come to pass as discipleship occurs. Stone 9, we want to reach 1,000 in worship attendance. Hey, one of the questions I've had about these 12 stones is this. Pastor Wade, which stone do you think we're going to get to first? And that my answer is, only God knows what the first stone will be that we place upon the stage. But I want to give you a little heads up. talked about this at the staff level. We talked about this with our deacons this past week. On Easter Sunday, we're expecting a big crowd. We've been watching the numbers at the beginning of the year. On Easter Sunday, we're offering two worship services. We'll give you details on that coming up. But we think we need two services for parking and for space on Easter Sunday. Who knows? We may have 1,000 people in church Easter Sunday this year. Wouldn't that be cool? More on that later. All right. Stone 10. Enlist 300 people to complete our serve process. I talked about that last week. And here's stone 11, and it deals with the issue of prayer. We want to celebrate 1,000 answered prayers. We want to celebrate 1,000 
answered prayers. I'm going to give you some details on how that will look as we walk through this message. But first of all, I want to direct your attention back to Psalm 118, verse 5. Notice what it says there. Out of my distress, the psalmist says, I called on the Lord. That word distress is the Hebrew word misar. It means to be constricted or to be cramped or pressed in on. And so the psalmist here is saying, life, trouble, circumstances are pressing in on me. I I feel that I'm in a tight spot. I'm uh, experiencing dire straits. I am in trouble. So in my distress, I called on the Lord. Aren't you glad that when distress comes, and hey, look at me for a minute, distress is going to come. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. We live in a fallen world. If you know Christ, you're going to heaven, but you're not there yet. And distress is going to come. Aren't you glad that when distress comes, you can call out to the Lord? And that's what the psalmist says here. In my distress, I called on the Lord. That word call is the word for proclamation or is even used in Hebrew culture to speak of reading aloud. So in the context, when he says, I call to the Lord, it means to call out or cry out to God. This is desperate prayer. I'm in distress, I see a need, and I'm crying out to you, asking you to meet that need. And then he says in verse 5, out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord, I love this, answered me. That word answer means to reply or respond. The psalmist says... I cried out to you, and you answered. You responded. You replied. You heard what I had to say. And everybody, just listen very, very carefully. This is a simple statement. It's it's one that you would amen and that you have heard before and that you know. But we need to grasp how, how important this statement is. You ready? God answers prayer. That's what this verse means. I called to the Lord, and He answered me. Now one little insight I want you to see in Psalm 118 is how often the word Lord is used. Look what it says there in verse 5. Notice it's all capital letters. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's used twice. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. That's the divine name of God. The, The name that God gave Moses at the burning bush. His covenant name. The name for his people that draw near to him in a personal way. And it's interesting to note that this psalm, Psalm 118, uses the divine name 27 times. In this one psalm, the word Lord is used 27 times. And when you take this fact along with a couple verses, we see what's being hinted at here. Look what it says in verses 8 and verses 9. The psalmist says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. So it speaks of trusting God, not trusting others. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And then fast forward to verse 28, near the end of this chapter. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. So the psalmist is saying, Lord, Yahweh, you're my God. I know you in a personal way. The Bible is very, very clear. If we want to have this kind of relationship with God, 
where we can say, Yahweh, you're my God. It only happens through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts chapter 4, I read it this morning. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's only through Jesus that we can be saved and have a relationship with God. So here's the takeaway for us in this room who, who are Christians born again. Based upon Psalm 118, when you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you are gifted with the incredible privilege of prayer. We could spend the rest of the morning talking about the privileges of what it means to be saved. And if we went across the room and said, what's the, what's the greatest privilege of salvation? I think we would probably all agree that forgiveness is near the top of the list, right? Forgiveness, our sins are washed away. Our sins are forgiven, no longer held to our account. We can be forgiven by the free gift of God. And because we're forgiven, our sins are taken away. And we can be brought into a relationship with God. So certainly if we went around the room and said, Hey, what's good about being saved? We would say forgiveness, wouldn't we? But I wonder if a close second might be. You know what's good about being saved? God hears me when I pray. I get to go into the the throne room and be heard by God. Now, we're going to talk about bringing your requests to the Lord and calling out to Him and God answering your prayers. But before I get to that, I want to make a statement that I think is important for us to keep in mind. This is in your notes. The most important thing about prayer is communion with God. The most important thing about prayer is communion with God. In fact, turn over to Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus teaches specifically on prayer. Matthew chapter 6. Look what it says in verse 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Jesus says, When you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. Jesus assumes if you're his follower, you're going to pray. So he says, When you pray, go into your room, your secret place. How do you know it's a secret place? Because it says, Shut the door and pray to your Father who is in Secret. Now look at the next phrase or the next sentence. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. In other words, the best thing about prayer is we get to go into the presence of God and be with him. That is an immeasurable privilege that followers of Christ get to enjoy. Communion with God. We should not think of God as a drive-through window. Right? I went through, I think, a couple drive-through windows this past week. Our family's busy, on the go. And you you speed up to the the drive-through window, to the speaker. You bark out what you need. I need this, 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 and this. You pull up, grab what what you pay for, grab your food, and take off, Right? And a lot of people, when, it, when they think about prayer, they think about God like a drive through window. God, I'm busy, but I need this, 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 and this. And we take off again. 
And we miss the fact that prayer at its essence is we get to be in the presence of God. We get to spend time with the God who spoke and the universe leapt into existence. Wow. Prayer. The most important thing about prayer is communion with God. In fact, sometimes prayer is not talking. It's just being quiet and still before the Lord as He ministers to you and guides you and shapes and forms you into the image of Christ. Communion with God. Philip Graham Ryken says it like this, The reward for secret prayer is the prayer itself. The blessing of resting in the presence of God. Prayer does not simply maintain the Christian life. It is the Christian life reduced to its barest essence. So prayer is about communion with God. Don't miss that as we talk about requesting things from God in a little bit. Secondly, prayer also allows us to be involved in God's kingdom work. When Jesus teaches about prayer in Matthew 6, he says, Pray like this, Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're praying that that God's kingdom will come in a greater way in our life, in our marriage, in our family, in our church, in our community, in our nation, in our world. We want to see earth look more and more like heaven as the gospel goes forth. Amen? So we can pray and ask God to do that. It is a part of kingdom expansion. I want you to hear me carefully. God is not just a God of ends. He's a God of means. And in his sovereignty, he has ordained that things get done through the prayers of his people. That that he works and responds and moves in response to his people praying. It's no coincidence that the Acts 1 prayer meeting is followed by 3,000 conversions in Acts chapter 2. That's no accident. That's God moving through the means of the prayers of his people. People. In fact, I want you to think about God's work, making disciples advancing the gospel. I want you to think about it like this. Andrew Bonar, a 19th century Scottish pastor, said it like this. I've learned by experience that it is not much labor, but much prayer that is the only means to success. In other words, if we're working hard for Jesus, but we are not praying then the God who ordained the ends and the means will not move like he would if we prayed. God's ordained that his people pray. and He responds to the prayers of his people. But here's the next thought about prayer. At its essence, prayer is communion with God. Prayer allows us to be involved in kingdom works. We ask God to move and work and change lives and expand His kingdom. But but here's what I want to really focus in on for a few minutes this morning. Prayer is an avenue whereby we can ask God for help. Now, the purpose of this model prayer in Matthew 6 and Luke 11 is to show us there are different aspects to prayer. Praise, alignment, Repentance, alignment with relationships as you get your heart right when you are harboring unforgiveness. Spiritual warfare, asking God to protect you from the evil one. There are a lot of different aspects to prayer. But right in the middle of this model prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray like this. 
Give us this day our daily bread. That's verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Prayer is an avenue whereby we can ask God for help. So here's what that means. Thinking about this passage in Psalm 118 verse 5. That means that you and I get to experience the joy and exhilaration that the psalmist experienced in Psalm 118. I called on the Lord in my distress and he answered me. Every Christ follower gets to experience that. If we will but pray and call on his name. So let me just very quickly give you five aspects of asking God for help. There are different words for this. There's the word supplication, which is a, a long word. just simply means asking God for things. There's asking God for things on behalf of others. That's called intercession. There's the word petition that is used, bringing your needs before the Lord. But we're, just, we're talking about just asking God for his help. And so let me give you just five quick thoughts. First of all, ask daily. Ask daily. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. We are needy people. And we have needs every single day. And every single day we ought to recognize that our God is the one who provides and protects and helps. And every day as needy people who are dependent upon the Lord, we ought to bring our request to Him. I make this statement and, I, and it convicts me even as I make it because I see traces of this in my own life that I want to see the Lord grow me in. But here's the statement. Prayerlessness is the ultimate expression of self-sufficiency. When we are not praying consistently daily, what we're saying is, God, I got it. I got this. I'll handle it. But the reverse is also true. Prayer, supplication, requesting is the ultimate expression of dependence. Saying, God, I need you. So we need to ask daily that God would meet our needs. We need to ask specifically. Give us this day, Jesus said, our daily bread. Martin Kimnitz says... The word bread in this petition encompasses all things belonging to and necessary for the sustenance of the body and life. So bread is a a symbol of everything that we need. In the first century, bread was a staple for life and for living. Most places you go in this world, they depend upon bread just for daily existence. And this, this, this term bread speaks of all the needs that you and I have that we ought to bring to the Lord. And so we need to learn to ask God to meet specific needs in our life. We need to learn to pray specific prayers because here's the deal. If we do not pray specific prayers, we will not connect our asking with God's answering. But when you pray something specific and you see that prayer answers, you know this is God moving in response to your specific requests. One of my favorite stories about this concerns uh, some dear friends of mine and Claire. 
they lived in North Mississippi, but because of some health issues, they were they made the hard decision to move to Arkansas to be closer to their family. Their health was failing. So they sold their house and they began the arduous process of looking for a new house in the area they were moving to in Arkansas. And the lady, good friends of mine and Claire, her name's Patsy. Miss Patsy said, they were just praying for a house. Like they just needed God to give them a house. So God, would you, would you give us a house? They were praying for a house. Their grandson, who they were moving closer to, was praying more specifically. The grandson was praying, God, would you give my grandparents a house that's close enough that I can ride my bike there? And God gave them a house one-eighth of a mile away. And their grandson would ride his bike over to be with Don and Patsy. And Miss Patsy knew, Mr. Don knew, that's God honoring the specific request of our grandson. One-eighth of a mile away. Pray specifically. Ask God to meet specific needs. Then you begin to make the connection between what you're praying and how God is answering. Number three, ask God to meet your personal needs. Give us their daily bread. I mean, you have individual personal needs in your life. Every one of us, we have physical needs, emotional needs, relational needs, vocational needs, social needs, uh, financial needs, spiritual needs. Every one of us. And this portion of the prayer where Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread, we're coming to him with our, our needs. We're just laying them before him, asking him to meet those needs in our own individual lives. But we shouldn't stop there. We should ask God to also meet the needs of others. Because notice something in verse 11 of Matthew 6. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Notice the plural, us and our. So as we're praying for our own needs to be met, we're also praying for the body of Christ. Us and our. We. God, I want you to meet some needs in my life, but there's also some people in my circle of influence, my relational sphere, and I want to see you do some things in their life too. So you're praying for yourself, but you're also praying for others. Pray for things like family, church family, Missionaries, unreached people groups, our nation's leaders, our community leaders, our state leaders, the sick, crisis situations. We could go on and on with all the things that we ought to bring before the Lord. I like to think about it like concentric circles. Where I begin by asking God to meet needs of my own individual life. And the, the next circle away from my individual life is my, my wife's. So I pray for Claire and the next circle is my my kids, so I, I pray for my family, and then I go out from there, church family, friends, acquaintances, church planting missions, and, 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 and in concentric circles, I try to pray for different needs. Now here's the, I'm going to get very, very practical for a minute. You will never do this successfully if you do not have a prayer organization system. And that sounds real fancy, but all you need is a notebook and a pen. Or just a piece of paper. And just begin to jot down specific things you are praying for in these concentric circles. And keep that list somewhere handy 
so that when God begins to respond and answer, you see the connection between your specific asking and God's gracious answering. I think it's very practical these days to use your phone to keep a list like this because we always have our phones with us. Can I get an amen? You have a note app on your phone. I have a prayer app called Prayer Mate that I use. It's very, very handy. Very uh, does a great job keeping me organized and walking through different needs that I pray for. And so the Prayer Mate app is wonderful. A notebook is wonderful. But have some kind of list somewhere that you can go back to and look at and begin to make the connections. It's like that thing I talked about, that, that sermon I preached, where I was, I was praying something specifically, and I had not yet made the connection that God was answering until Daniel said something. I thought, oh, God is answering that prayer. And so you need a prayer organization system. Ask God to meet the needs of others. If you don't have that, figure it out today. Figure out some kind of way to begin to organize your prayer life. And if you don't, if you don't have it organized, you'll be overwhelmed with the need. Because there's need everywhere. Right? If you don't organize it, you just, you're, just, you're just going to feel overwhelmed all the time. So organize your prayer life. If you need help from that, let us know. And we'll give you some help with that. But ask God to meet the needs of others. Here's number five. And then I'll just make a few statements and we'll be through. What does it mean to... Ask God to meet needs. It means you ask daily, you ask specifically, you ask God to meet your personal needs. And by the way, look at me real quick on this one. A common statement I hear is this. And you may think this, even if you won't say that, you may think this. Yeah, I got stuff going on, Pastor Wade, but God is busy running the universe. And I don't want to really bother him with my, my little stuff. Listen to me. God is all-powerful and all-knowing. He can handle your stuff and my stuff at the same time. Can I get a witness? Don't he- Listen, he's your father. Don't hesitate to, to run to him with your needs. Ask God to meet your personal needs. Ask God to meet the needs of others. Number five, ask confidently. Over in chapter 7, Jesus gives us some more admonition related to prayer, and he gives us a, a, a word picture to drive it home. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, he says, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Now, the word ask and seek and knock there, when you look at the grammar of the original Greek language, it literally reads, or should read, ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. As... We heard earlier in the song, and I asked Daniel to sing that song this morning. Keep on praying. Don't stop praying. That's what Jesus says. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. And then he gives us an illustration so that we will not give up crying out to God, bringing requests to Him. He says, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The illustration is really clear, is it not? 
We have a lot of dads in this room right now. And every single one of us, we're imperfect dads. There are areas we fall short. But even imperfect dads, when their child comes with a need in their life, we don't want to harm them. We want to help them. As imperfect as we are. If my son comes and says, I want some bread, I'm not going to give him a stone. If he says, I want some fish, I'm not going to give him a snake. I hate snakes. Even imperfect dads want to help and not hurt. And Jesus makes the point, how much more will our perfect heavenly father respond to his children when they come to him with needs? Our father loves to meet our needs. Our Father loves to answer our prayers. Our Father loves to help us. Our Father loves to come to our rescue. But He's ordained not only the ends, the means. And He's shown us that He responds to His children when they pray. Open their mouths. Articulate their needs before the Lord. Ask confidently. Don't stop praying. He's a good, good father. And you can trust him. I heard this quote years ago from one of my heroes of the faith, Adrian Rogers. This was kind of a paradigm shifting quote for me. It really, really strengthen my faith in the area of prayer because it makes so much sense. Listen to what Adrian Rogers said. The devil cannot stop God from answering. So he will try to stop you from asking. Think about that. Once you cry out to God, bring that request to the throne, It's in God's hands. And the devil can't stop God's answer and God's movement in response to that request. But oh, how the devil loves to distract us so that we do not pray. We do not bring our needs to him. We try to take it on our own shoulders and deal with it in our own strength and pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and just live in self-dependence. And and, and the Bible says, ask, seek, knock. He's a good, good father. Don't let the devil lead you into prayerlessness. Don't let the devil keep you silent. Don't let the devil keep you out of the holy of holies. Because you can go into the presence of God anytime you want because of the shed blood of Christ. And you can stay as long as you want. Don't let the devil rob you of that privilege. He can't stop God from answering. So he will try to stop you from asking. So that leads to stone 11. We're going to celebrate with a stone on the stage when we reach 1,000 answered prayers. We're asking you to organize your prayer life. 
We're asking you to begin to pray for some specific things or keep on praying for some specific things, some needs in your life and the lives of others. And then when you see God answer that specific request, we want to know about it. So let me show you what we've got set up for you online. This first slide shows you our website. You go to our website, fbcfwb.org. You click on 12 stones at the top, uh, the, the, the tabs at the top. Click on 12 stones, and you'll see that stone uh, come up. Stone 11, celebrate 1,000 answered prayers. Let's look at the next slide. You'll write down your name. You can just give us first name if you're comfortable with that. If you want to give us both names, that's fine. But uh, first and last, give us your name. And then write down the request that you've been making of the Lord and how you saw God answer that specific prayer. Just put it there um, in that box and hit send. You're just saying, I've been praying something specific and God answered the prayer. And I want to give God glory and celebrate that. And you just go to the website. And after you submit it, It'll start keeping tally of answered prayers. You see that? We get one. We had to test it this week. So it's got one there. But when we get to a 1,000 on that tally, we're going to stop and say, look at how God is moving in response to the prayers of his people. Isn't he good? Isn't he gracious? And we'll put a stone on the stage. And here's what I think is going to happen. As we see that number tally up, we see tens of requests being answered and then dozens and then hundreds knocking on the door of a thousand. I think it's going to be impetus to pray even more. As we remind ourselves that when we call on his name, Psalm 118.5, he answers. And it will be an encouragement and a motivator to keep on praying. I pray that God will use this to ignite my prayer life and your prayer life. We've got some other things related to prayer, prayer ministry we'll talk about in the coming days. But just for this morning, I want you to think about how you are praying and bringing requests to God. And then stopping to celebrate what God has done. Now, real quick word. This is not a confessional. I don't need all your dirty laundry, alright? You won't need all that. Simple This is what I've been asking for. This is how God answered. When we get to a thousand, we'll say, yeah, God answers prayer. Why are we surprised, right? We'll celebrate with a stone on the stage. Here's a a closing thought. I've heard this objection before when it comes to prayer and recording answered prayers. I've heard, heard some say that when you see an answer to prayer, it's merely a coincidence. You prayed and, and you had some circumstances going on in your life and you prayed about it and the circumstance was uh, addressed. It, it was fixed. It, it, it got better. And some would say, from a secular perspective, well, it's just coincidence. You prayed about it and it just happened to get better shortly after you prayed about it. Well, I agree with the man who said this. If it is coincidence... I sure have a lot more coincidences when I pray than when I don't. Amen? It's not coincidence, dear friends. God loves to answer the prayers of His 
Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.